How do you like your eggs in the morning? I like them scrambled or fried. Welcome to the weekly podcast. What a lovely day it is in Herefordshire. I can't believe it. There is not one single cloud in the sky. The sky perfectly matches the Triumph Vitesse that I have just driven Michelle and myself over the hill in. And we have come over Stockley Hill. Now, picture the scene. Our farm is Lower Blakemere Farm. Go to Google Maps. You can actually follow up the drive and see our drive. There's potholes. They're called inverted speed bumps. We've come out of the drive. We've gone past Tibetan Church, which has got the lovely Tibetan Lakes. We've turned right and we've come over Stockley Hill. Farmer Phil farms on top of Stockley Hill. We've come right down the other side into Peter Church, which is famous for its steeple. Its church had a new steeple put on. My gran said it was the most ugly steeple in the land, but it's sort of blended in there. And we've come to Hopes of Poston. Now, Christine Hope is a quite famous shopkeeper in these parts, really. She's won a Big Tick Award. She's met Prince Charles many times. She's like sort of Mary Queen of Shops in Hereford, if you know what I mean. She was the chairman of the Young Farmers Club. Yeah, she's sort of like famousy sort. Anyway, she's opened a new shop here at Poston, and Poston Mill is a caravan park. So here we are, sat outside Christine's shop, just on the edge of the main road. I think it's a B road, but there's more traffic than at Blakemere for sure. Sat in the sunshine, waiting for a cup of Trumper's tea. So, here we have our first review on iTunes. We've got three new reviews and we've gone over 100. So, we have got 108 reviews on iTunes and I don't know anyone else has got that many. Thanks to all that have put the reviews up. But the thing is, we've got a four-starer. Oh. Let's go for Mr Pullen, who's given us a four-star review. Thank you, Mr Pullen. Hmm. Farming news, great, but, but, I do like the Archers But Real aspect of the podcast, particularly the farming news and debate. Perhaps Farmer Phil could be sent to Europe to interview a few people there on the annoyances of EU legislation and what it is actually trying to achieve. Would a free market for farming really work? It's a long time since there has been such a thing and most countries protect agriculture in one way or another. It is only the industrial sector that has a ministry all to itself. I digress. Could Monty be given something more substantial to do or be cut? Cut! His lead-in and trail-out take longer than his snippet of info. P.S. Is Heather really Pat in disguise? Now, I know you don't mean Pat off these enders. I know you mean Pat off the archers. And I might be. I don't know. Can't say. Listen, Monty's a teenager. You know, he's 13 years old now. And when he started, he was nine years old. I mean, can I ask him for more or less? No, I have to have whatever he's willing to do. There we are. Big Norm says on Twitter... 
Big Norm loves the Monty section. Outraged. The Monty bit, why not instigate a weekly one to two minute diatribe on what he has learnt on the farm? Well, I say to you, Norm, that's all very well, but Monty is much more interested in carting, so, you know, we're going to have to have what Monty wants to do. Here we go, here's our second review before we drag Miss Hope out from the shop. Oh, here she is with a cup of tea. What have we here? We have some Earl Grey tea from Trumpers. Hooray! Hooray! Are you going to serve your customers? I do have to go serve my customers. Do you mind if we listen in like Big Brother? <laughs> Here's the second review by Super Ren. Thank you very much, five stars. Welcome back, Ricardo. First, I listened to the Kellogg's obituary. It should be essential listening for would-be hen owners. I was certainly put off. Oh, <laughs> that's a bit of a pity, isn't it? We ruined all chicken potential in the UK. Then, to settle my stomach, I know it was the flapping bit, it got me and I was there, I listened to Ricardo's Return, a joyful podcast for early summer. He and Heather make a good team. I am still waiting for my Strolch order, so I can't comment on that. (laughs) That is super rare. The thing is, Strolch is in stock, so if you could possibly give us a ring, because we don't know who you are. I I don't know whether you mean you've just ordered it, so you don't know how to use it yet, or whether you're waiting for a while. But whichever way, if it hasn't come, give us a ring, eh? Now, this week, we're not going to have a Montecast. You know, one complaint, and he's gone off and huff. Well, actually, he's doing his exams, and this morning, he phoned up to say he was worried about the tenses in Latin. Well, I said to him, balum, balum, bala, balum. Don't worry about it, Monty, because the thing is, are you ever going to use that codswallop? You know, I know it's the basis of all languages, but some of us aren't meant to be able to do it, as far as I can see. So he seems to be okay. He's enjoyed his English exam, and even the French went reasonable. But I don't think he's going to be a Latin scholar. So, you know, good luck, Monty. If you get anything over what your dad got, which was 1%, Uh, you'll be doing very well. (laughs) And he only got 1% because he wrote his name right. And that is the truth. Here we go. We've got our last review. This is a quick one. Five stars. And it's from Flash Ash 280 And he says, Great podcast. Easily one of the best gardening country podcasts about. Thank you very much. That is very kind. And Twitter has gone mad with podcast ideas. They want us to do a podcast up on the bank or in the cow shed and have an audience. Wouldn't that be fun? They want us to bring the podcast out into the community and go round to the village shop. Here I am. I'm waiting for Miss Hope to come out of the shop and tell us all about it. And I think the customers are just off on their trips and their travels. Right, I'm going in to check out the produce and talk to Christine about her shop and sheep because both those things are really important. Christine, have you been watching Mary Queen of Shops? Because the thing is, this shop is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I love this shop because you've got, at the front, you've got the fresh produce and the cakes and Mm -hmm. the bread and it says it's within a 30-mile radius. Yep. We've been working with Plonkett on local food, and we've had an advisor in that's been really helping us called Sarah Mail. Plonkett? Plunkett, sorry. Plunkett. <laughs> right, yeah. Plunkett Foundation. And they're all about cooperation and ideas and working together. 
and so having that advisor in has really helped us to concentrate between destination and what we're trying to do. And we've been then monitoring the local food sales after we've moved things around in the shop and we've had an impact then on the local economy and we've recorded it. So it's a brilliant story to sell. So if you put meat at the back, why, why would you do meat's that? Meat's a destination What item. do you mean by that? What's... It's something that you've pre-decided normally before you've come into the shop that you'll get. Oh, and I things see. like bread and the fruit and veg give you a choice to something. Oh, that's it! And then there's an excitement that's sort of something that necessarily hasn't been pre-decided. I mean, you're your shopkeeper who talks to people and welcomes people. Mm. Isn't that what it's all about, or does it actually make a difference where you put the stuff? Yes. Go on then. So. And this is why sort of having external help or advice was really key. You know, I have been trading for eight years. Somebody comes in, we spend quality time working out how it's laid out, and all of a sudden the sales go up on certain lines. That's and amazing. Because it's the psychology of how it's being laid out, what's destination. So, for a fact, where we've got the preserves, jams and chutneys, I had dog food. Dog food is a destination item, can go right at the back, it's already pre-decided. It was a prime selling area, so what we've moved to there is the jams and chutneys that are made in 30 miles as something that's a really unique point of sale. A lot of those... Uh, we've got three different suppliers there. Two of those would only supply retailers or stalls and fates and things like that within a 10-mile radius, so it's unique to us. But surely that means that all the unique stuff goes in the worst place, because, or, or does it mean that the, the destination it, stuff goes, goes in, in the, the worst, worst place? place? Yes. OK, because when I come through the door, I can see the dog food <laughs> now you've mentioned it. That's only because I've mentioned it. I there. absolutely looked at the cakes. <laughs> And which, the croissants. Which is why we moved those there. We have right. them to the right-hand side, and we've moved them here, and croissant sales and cake sales have gone up by results. So do you think that all village shopkeepers would benefit from this sort of review? Because I came in here yeah. before, yeah. and I loved it, but I've just watched what people are buying going yeah. out of here, and they've got carrier bags full of stuff. <laughs> and when I came in here before... They did not have no. that. It wasn't just the layout. It's got to be, as you know, with any marketing or business, there's not one quick fix solution. So we've done a questionnaire, we've moved opening times, and we will threaten to open on a Sunday once we can get the trading levels to be correct. And it's just constantly keeping that conversation open with the customer. Is this shop completely different to your shop in Longtown? Because this shop is serving, I think the caravan community that are coming to stay yeah. in the mobile homes and, the, yeah. and see the countryside. So they're people that aren't local generally, would that be fair? Or? Generally the sales are not to local trade and we've got to do a lot more work to get that message across which we're working on. Oh. But the caravan is sort of 35 acres set in Parklands and the dogs are allowed here on site. So it's a really nice place to be and they're very welcoming and lovely. And so is it a different approach to your long-term shop or have you used the same selling points no completely different shop so what did he say about your window our windows yeah it's all wonky and oh that's because oh. of me i'm wonky yeah, okay my no is the first impression here the thing you is your first impression wrong. is fantastic because the first impression is the sidewall but now you you know now you're showing me this review yeah he must have said your windows are wonky as in the the posters, the posters. and yeah. yes 
and that, yeah well no basically we had to move all this around to make the message a lot clearer yeah which is the right hand side has stayed exactly the same which is fine yeah but the left hand side moves with the posters coming in and out yeah the blue tack gets dried out by the sun <laughs> and all of a sudden we're all a bit scruffy <laughs> now dear miss hope you were on the telly last night <laughs> wasn't it yeah night four yeah last, tell yeah. us all about saving sheep <laughs> how have you got involved in this okay. what is going on well, well, what was going on it wasn't just about saving sheep it was about the commission for rural community crc it and you're part of that aren't you well i gave information to their inquiry which was the uplands report and i did this in ludlow last year to the rural advocate yes the rural advocate was there stuart burgess was there yeah. yep who informs the government on what needs to be done. I've spoken to him, dear listener. I've told him what for I have. <laughs> yes. The report, sort of what it's come out with, I totally agree with, as that it needs to be the uplands are a, a resource for its minerals, its farming community, its uplands, but it's also a place of enjoyment. But it has to be economically sustainable. Now, right. Under the cap reviewing for 2013, the upland support will go, yeah. which means that place that is managed by farmers to have the Brecon Beacons looking gorgeous is a, a, an agreement between um, National Authority but also farmers and people who live there to create the landscape and enjoyment you want to go and see. Well, 2013, if any of them have got any sense, they'll just leave because they won't have any income because they are reliant on subsidies because of the payment they receive for their products. Sheep price has gone up. Yeah, well, so have all the inputs to produce that sheep at the same time. As an industry, they're not even receiving minimum wage. Now, if some of them have, I will tell you now, need to go because they're not running businesses correctly, they're not willing to change with the times. But what the report is saying is that actually there needs to be support to make sure that it's a thriving economic community and meets the needs... <laughs> I jumped out my skin. <laughs> Carry on. ..and meets the needs of, A, that community, but society as a whole and has not left as an area up there that's untouched. So what do you want? Subsidies to be park keepers? Not to be park keepers, because I just think that's the wrong way forward. It's a managed landscape, so it's working out how to create that there is an economic benefit to keeping it there. And reliant that at the moment it's an ageing population that there isn't anybody else coming through because the housing's too expensive. But Let I know me- people will say the housing's too expensive where they live, but there's no career ladder or path to enable people to go up the ladder and say, yeah, I can't afford a house, but in 10 years' time I can afford a house because I'll have a better job, I'll have better this. There isn't those opportunities. The country's bankrupt. We've got no money. So why, why would we do this? Well, wouldn't it make sense that on a resource that is sitting there that we utilise it rather than leaving it alone? So you want the planning rules relaxed? In some cases. You want... all of them. No, so you've got to be careful that you don't ruin the landscape that you're trying to... to you know, think of those bungalows in Ireland. All those yellow bungalows. They're awful. What <laughs> they? Well, what they service were... <laughs> they like? I'm not quite sure which yellow bungalows you're on about. Should we paint pink that they find then? No, they have to know. Why. They must have a job lot of yellow paint. I don't know. But they're all yellow bungalows because they relaxed the planning rules for farmers. Yeah. And so they moved out of their farmhouses and built yellow bungalows. The farmhouse has been left to rack and ruin, and I'd yeah. hate to see that on the Brecon Beacons. And that would be the conundrum that's incorrect. So if they are allowing somebody to build a bungalow for a family to move into, then another family needs to come into that house. So we're looking at succession planning, really, and that the fact that there will be future generations enabled to live in the area. One of the things that happened in Herefordshire last year, which you wouldn't necessarily think about in the uplands was closing some of the primary schools if you close a primary school it cannot be a mixed generational community because where the hell do you send kids to school you're not going to allow your child to sit in the bus for an hour today when they're under 12 wouldn't it be good to have some sort of membership scheme like the national trust so that you had members of the 
parkland because if you just rely on government subsidies surely the people that are never going to have the opportunity to enjoy this are going to be fed up because they're not going to have any direct benefit couldn't you do a membership scheme so the government said if you pay 70 pounds a year you know you can wander and enjoy or or i suppose it's all free access anyway well Roaming the countryside is not yeah. roaming everywhere. Roaming in the gloaming. <laughs> yeah. Right, OK. There are footpaths, and the footpaths are where you need to stick to. Remember okay. Remember the uplands? It's like a factory, but it's open for everyone to enjoy. But it's making sure that, that factory is more efficient. And partly kickstart that, there will need to be support. Now, one of the things that has come out is subsidies. But the other things there could be policies written that understands that the schools don't close, that there is a need to keep a mixed economy. Ah, and then families can survive to live in those areas at the same time. Because if you're constantly living under threat, the school's going to go, you've got no bus service, there's no fuel pumps, there's no village shops because they've all closed and the pubs close as well. You're going to have to be a very special person. You're not going to live there the entire time. So you're not going to value the landscape that then produces the product for everyone else to enjoy. But if we can mix it correctly, and I say we because I have an input to play as a shopkeeper, perhaps there's products I can sell that can be produced on that landscape, then it makes it more profitable, which means we've got a landscape and a mixed generational community, which is important. Having said that, I think that should be everywhere all over the country. I don't think it should be limited to the uplands. It's just simply there is a crisis point coming in 2013 that needs to be addressed now. Now, darling, you must let that customer down. I must. So go and see them. <laughs> How interesting is that? Because the thing is, I think what she's talking about is sort of triple bottom line accounting, where actually you have to count the sustainability and not just the efficiency in the job. Anyway, I'm going to go back to her in a minute because she's part of a film which was launched at Hay Festival just a couple of weeks ago, all about young people in rural areas and how they're getting on and what needs to be done. So we'll go back to Christine in a minute. I'll just have a sip of my old grey tea. Right, what did she buy? She bought bottled water. Yeah. A big bottle. Yeah. Satsumas. Postcards. She was a destination shopper in the sense that she came for water and satsumas. Yeah. And then you added on the things at the same time. Fascinating. Now, the last... Okay, oh, that's <laughs> fine. And um, that's really important is that the ladies obviously said, oh, they have lots of interesting stuff to the husband. Can I go in? Ah, yes. Now, we weren't getting that prior yep. to we had done the move round. Okay. And so. what's the thing is we've actually got 20 less lines. Yes. But because we've got the flow of the shop and it's logical, they go, oh, you've got more in here. Because they mentally, they, I don't understand it all and this is why you need expert help. That's amazing, because I didn't know, I honestly did not know <laughs> there was so much to a village shop until I watched Mary Queen of yeah. Shops. Yeah. And then I thought about what you do, and I thought, that's exactly what Christine does. I know. Because you put not the... Not quite s- as groovy as Mary Queen of Shops, Well, but maybe you haven't quite got the budget that yes. Mary Queen of Shops... <laughs> but it's got that same atmosphere, isn't it? You yeah. Know, you want to be in there. You yeah. know, I want to go in there to nose around and see what's going on and why... But it's fascinating to think of the psychology of it all. Yeah. Listen, the other thing I wanted to ask you about... Yeah. You were part of the film that oh, was launched yes. Yes. at Hay Festival, yeah. which I was lucky enough to be invited to the preview. Fantastic. And I have to say, it was funny. Yes. But it was also very moving. Yeah. Occasionally, I had a little tear in my eye. Oh. Yeah, I really did think it was something special. So yeah. could you tell me how it's you got about. involved in that and who's okay. doing it? 
Well, the film is a documentary. I met Anne Cottager, who's the filmer, with her partner Richard, who's the cameraman, and they decided 18 months ago that really the story of young people in the rural countryside, and specifically in agriculture and farming, wasn't being told, and that the general public has no idea what was happening, and they wanted to highlight this in a very serious documentary way of saying, where is our food going to come have from? Have they made programmes that have been on the telly and that? They or? have made programmes been on telly, and Anne has won awards before, and Richard has done all so sorts there, of things. There's... But instead of it being, oh, we'll get commission and get paid for this, this has been a personal quest. So they've done all their filming, free of charge, all their fuel, and they've picked up on eight of us and has been following us for 12 months. What's really important is they ask the obvious questions that we're shying away. There's an elephant in the room with all of this, as in... Where are we going to do it? How are we going to live here next? All of that is kind of questions. And Anne just asks them straight out. And now for a short commercial break, while Christine goes into a shop and, and served a lady who I happen to know has picked up some gift cards. Oh! Hello, I'm sorry about that. Um, during that commercial break, we just need a quick advert for the shop. How tiny is the shop? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to walk from the front of the shop to the back of the shop at normal speed and this will tell you how big it is because I'm no good at measurements. Here we go. That's uh, not a direct route, it's a clove crow's flies head. I think it's ten steps. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's ten steps and it's probably ten steps wide as well. It is. Tiles, you? So, oh, yeah, oh you count the tiles. tiles. Brilliant idea, Mrs. Yeah. Customer. Well, Here this we are. is Sarah, my landlord. Oh, landlord! There yeah, we are. One, allowed us to have this fantastic two, place. three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve tiles. One, one foot square, I think. Right, so it, yeah. it could be 12 foot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good that your landlord's buying off you. My <laughs> landlords are my closest customers and we my best together. customers. Excellent. And the only shopping they do together is when they come here. And um, Sarah has to restrain her husband for his purchases. <laughs> Wayne! <laughs> That's fine, but you're cooking it, love. <laughs> yes. If you, dear listener, want to experience Christine Hope's shop, you need to go to one of two places. You need to go to Poston Mill... Well, come on your holiday here. Oh, it would be fantastic. They've got the South Catering cottages here. They've got the static caravans. You could come here forever if you wanted to on your holidays. They take tours and they do camping as well. Poston Mill Caravan Park is on the B... The award-winning. Award-winning. So, the award-winning... <laughs> yeah. Recognised Poston... by David Bellamy on his really? award schemes because of the environmental sustainability of how they run their park. Fantastic. Poston Mill Caravan Park is on the B4348 in between Hereford and Hay. So it's the parallel road to the road that Wiggles is on. But this, of course, is in the Golden Valley, which is a million times better than Y Valley. This is where all visitors should come, because obviously we don't want them in our valley, do we? <laughs> <laughs> now then, and the second shop is hopes of long time and this is the original huge yes. shop which yes. is many more tiles than 12 <laughs> yes, in fact thinking about 12 tiles it makes me think it's probably 40 tiles yep. long is in long town in herefordshire yes. just on the edge of the black mountains right, right by the cat's back yes nestled at the bottom there yep fantastic back to thank you for that advertisement miss hope that's okay back to the film yes so the film is in stage one, where 
Richard and Anne have done everything for free to this point, but to edit it, it needs another 50,000 to edit and put it together as a documentary. And then it needs to be shown and aired, and either that needs to be purchased by a television channel or made into a, a DVD and a story that's told in a package of way of... That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. That's what's needed to move it on, but obviously there's a, a story and input to be told. It's actually putting that across is where will your food come from? Yeah. Farmers cannot stay on the landscape just because it looks nice yeah. if they haven't got an economic income and a way of survival and a community that they wish to live in. So where's it going to come? We're going to import it all or we're going to import the labour and they're going to leave in caravans? Mm. And, and that is the crux of it, is longer term what, what is happening. Or are we all going to will, willing to pay at least double for our food? Because that would be the quickest fix and probably the cheapest in reality because we wouldn't be paying at exorbitant levels of pay potentially through the government to do it. So we've got to pay double for our food. You know, that is not going to go down well with the general population of Britain. Do you know what? And you're absolutely correct. But their taxes are going to currently go through the roof. And I can guarantee it would be cheaper to buy it direct from the person that's producing the product than going through the supporting mechanism of policy and government. Because those options are so much more expensive and it's not going direct to the primary producer that is giving you product. And you have to question how efficient that is. Don't worry, Christine, Posh and Clegg are on the case. Posh and Clegg are sorting out health and safety. Yesterday, Rach came in with some health and safety boots. I said, throw them away. Posh and Clegg say health and safety's over. Only joking. Okay, Christine, how do we follow this amazing project about Herefordshire farmers? Well, Anne's updating her website that she created, which is youngfarmersdocumentary.wordpress.com. Brilliant. And I believe that every week she's updating it with a little clip so people can comment and actually they can ask questions that can come out in the documentary in the end once we finally get the funding for it to be all be edited and put together. Fantastic. And that, incidentally, dear listener, is without a www. I don't know why, but it is. It's without a www. So, Christine, good luck with your shop. I'm wondering if you are actually Christine, Queen of Shops. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? Did you apply? I did apply, and Mary's researcher rejected me. They said, Nah, you sound as though you're doing all the right stuff already. We're not interested. (laughs) Wow, what a complimentary is that? What a compliment is that? Listen, Mary, if you need a project, Come round anyway, because, you know, I think you need a bit more positivity on that programme. You know, let's go for good examples of what's already been done. And also, we're always ready to learn a little bit extra. I think that was the reason why they didn't ask me, as I said, oh, I want to learn more. I perhaps need to do this or do that. And if you've watched a few now, Anne basically says, go find your niche, sell it to them at the right price at the right time. But that's actually a lot harder than it sounds. If you'd like to put a review in on the Wiggly podcast, we'd love to hear from you, especially if it's a five-star. If it's a four-star, well, we'll live with it. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow Christine at... Hope Chatter. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And just before we go, I have to let you know what Stephen says about podcast a toute vitesse. He says... Hi, I've just listened to your podcast in the car like I usually do. I'm always two or three weeks behind, but I've listened to you for years and I've been a great fan of who you are and what you do as a company. I have to admit, I still have not left a comment on iTunes. For God's sake. And that is something I really need to do, as sometimes I like the episodes and sometimes, I must admit, I get bored with bits and skip. But life is like that, so I don't grumble. 
Anyway, I thought it was fab today, listening to you in your drive in the Triumph Vitesse. It brought it all back to when I had such a car 10 years ago that I used to drive about. All the memories came back to me with the sound of the car and mostly with the door opening. You do know all these Triumph Herald and Vitesse cars did that, especially the open top ones. There was never much strength in the upper body due to it having a separate chassis, which means the sides bend in and open quite a bit. The doors opening while going around corners is all part of it, although I'm sure people did do something about it. It's a nice party piece, though, and handy for when the mother-in-law is in the car. <laughs> Lots of laugh. A great car. I wish I'd never got rid of mine, but it had to make way for a VW Beetle. Steve. Thank you very much, Steve. Goodbye from Wiggly's on tour at Hopes of Boston. Woo! Bye. Bye.